Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Today is VBPH Sunday, where we feature a message that was recently preached from the pulpit of our church here in Virginia Beach, Virginia. You'll hear from Pastor Adam Dragoon and any other visiting preachers who have come through our church. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Amen. Thank you so much tonight for generosity. What a blessing it is. Faithful people, uh, wanted to say uh, before we continue, I want to say thank you uh, to all of those uh, who were here while we were away uh, from remaining faithful. Uh, the Sost family, Zapata family, it's been a blessing. Uh, that uh, And also Mr. Stephen, heard the service went well last uh, Sunday. Amen. What a blessing it is to have faithful people uh, who can hold down the fort. Amen. While our team is away. And so let's open up our Bibles tonight. want to turn, uh, as I mentioned, to the book of Joshua. This uh, is another one of those sermons that comes directly from our Bible reading plan. And don't mind me while I switch microphones here. Hallelujah. Everybody hear me all right? Everybody see me? Everybody hear in body and in spirit? Praise God. Joshua chapter 1. Let's lock in our minds tonight as we begin to hear from the Word of God. There is a classic quote that has been attributed to Edmund Burke, but uh, may not have come from him. There's some question to that. The quote goes like this. The only thing that is necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. When good men fail to do what they've been called to do, then it leaves open the opportunity for evil to triumph. See, good men are not defined by what they don't do. Good men and good people, good men and women of God, are defined rather by what they accomplish, what they do, what they stand up against. And what we're going to find in our scripture tonight is a call from God. It's more than just a call. It's more than just a challenge. It is a commandment from the Lord to be strong and courageous. And this commandment tonight, this is more than just a a, a nice suggestion. This is more than just a cheerleading squad pumping up, you know, Joshua making him feel good and have a nice little spiritual high. No, it's far more than that tonight. This is a commandment from God. I believe He wants you to be a person of courage, a person of strength. A person, it's not that you never have fear. Everyone has fears. But the question is, do you allow your fears to paralyze you? Do you allow your fears to conquer you? Or are you tonight, by the Spirit of God, able to conquer your fears? That is the question. God is, so, uh, God is so convinced of this. He is so, uh, He wants to so put this into us that this phrase is repeated three times in only four verses. 
and it is incredible for us tonight to read this scripture. Again, this is Joshua chapter 1. Let's read together, beginning with verse 6. It says, Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. There's number two. Number three, number four, number five. No, verse seven, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Verse 9, this is my command. Everybody say the word command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's pray. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus tonight once again. We seek your will and your purpose. Lord, I pray against the spirit of cowardice and fear. The unwillingness to confront evil wherever it exists, whether it's in our world, in our family, or even in our own heart. God, I'm praying tonight, give us the courage to stand against every enemy, to overcome fear, and by the precious blood to follow your commandment to be strong and courageous. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, Amen. Amen. Message I've titled, The Sin of Cowardice. And... uh, A word that's not often used in our culture today, cowardice, it describes the act of being a coward. And um, it's a strong word, isn't it? If you call somebody a coward, those are fighting words. You you call me a coward? And um, there's a reason why it is such a strong word. You accuse somebody of being a coward, unwilling to stand, unwilling to to fight for the things that they believe in. And I believe that comes from a biblical worldview and a biblical point of view because the Bible has some very strong things to say about cowards. In the Bible, uh, in the dictionary rather, it defines a coward as someone who lacks the courage to do difficult, dangerous, or unpleasant things. And as uh as rare as we think cowardice might be, I think it's actually a lot more common than we want to admit. Now, I don't want you to make the mistake tonight that you often make when you're listening to a sermon. You know what that is, right? The mistake is, yeah, great message, pastor, for somebody else. Oh, I can think of 10 other people that need to hear this. That's a mistake tonight. What we really need to do and what I need to do is examine my own heart for areas that lack courage, that are filled with cowardice. The Bible is pretty hard on a coward. Revelation 28, uh, sorry, Revelation 21, verses 7 and 8 say this, He who overcomes shall inherit all things. I will be his God and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, Sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Cowardice is marked in that scripture right alongside murder and sexual immorality. 
And I want you to be reminded tonight that this is not a, a toy to play with. This is not uh, an in-serious matter. This is something that we need to understand what it is so that we can avoid it. We are not. We don't have the luxury tonight of uh, allowing our fears to conquer us. That is not part of the Christian life. We don't have the luxury tonight to not confront the evil that stands before us, whether it's in the world or whether it's internal tonight. Cowardice will be judged by God. Not by the pastor, but by the Lord Himself. What, what is cowardice at the root? When people become cowards or they exhibit cowardly behavior, the cowardly lion from the Wizard of Oz, what is that really? It is a desire to protect your own skin above all. It is a cousin of prideful selfishness. It is when we make a a fearful decision to put our own desires, our own needs, our own ego ahead of other more important things. When we put our own needs ahead of the kingdom of God, above our own family, our own desires and our own will above the church. It's when we want to save our own skin our own ego from embarrassment. This is when we act in cowardice. What it really is tonight is a a form of idolatry. It means that I am more afraid of the things around me than I am of God. And in our minds, there are certain things that are more fearful than falling into the hands of the Almighty God. So be... While we're talking about cowardice, it's very easy to define the terms and talk in theory about what it, what it is. But let's look at some examples in, in life and in the Word of God. Some biblical examples of what cowardice actually looks like. So how about right from the very first pages of the Bible? We have the account of Adam and Eve in the garden. And in that garden account, the Bible says, chapter 3, Genesis that there was a serpent in the garden more cunning than any of the other animals. And that that serpent began to speak to Eve and ask questions and began to question the will of God for their lives and said, did God really say? There's this back and forth and there's this conversation between the serpent and Eve. And you know, what's interesting about that entire account is that Adam doesn't speak. And the thought is that he's not not out, you know, uh, uh, gathering potatoes from the field. The thought is that he's actually there. That he is observing. That he is watching what's happening. That he is uh, a a silent third party. Where was Adam? Don't you wish that somewhere along the way, Adam would have stepped in and he would have said, Eve, you, you need to stop talking to this wicked serpent. God already told us what we're supposed to do. Don't you wish He would have spoke up instead of being silent? That is an example of cowardice. Now, the first man in the Word of God, when he did not stand for truth, for righteousness, in the moment when the wicked began to roll in like a flood. There's a lot of wicked men in our generation. And they're defined by their cowardice when they refuse to speak up in the face of evil. When they watch evil passing under their nose and do nothing. When you get the classic bank error in your favor 
Oh, wow, there's an extra $20 bill that came out of the ATM machine. Thank you, Jesus, must be a blessing from the Lord. Or maybe, maybe God is testing your character. You know, there, there, there are times that God wants you to speak up in the face of evil. We are living in a time when evil is thriving in our culture. When the lies that are being propagated right under our noses, the lies that girls can become boys and that boys can become girls. All you got to do is, you know, go have a $75,000 operation and yeah, girls can become boys and boys can become girls. No wonder the world loves that. The world loves that because they're making money. But you know what? It takes a real man or a real woman of God to stand up and say, no, a boy is a boy, a girl is a girl, and only a man and a woman can experience true uh, marriage together. Everything else is sexual immorality. Can you say that? How about when your, your family members uh, post on their social media, love is love. How about when your favorite media companies, Disney uh, and uh, Netflix and all the likes, that, that streaming content for your children are slipping in a homosexual agenda to every show? And dads and moms in this place, the, 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 the cowardice in us says, well, you know, it just keeps the kids quiet. And we, if we say nothing, that is an act of cowardice, just like Adam in the garden. Satan will have his way when we will say nothing. There's another example. When you turn, uh, turn in, in, the, uh, in the Word of God, in First and Second Kings, there's the story of King Ahab. King Ahab was married to a wicked queen named Jezebel. You remember the story? And Ahab had a need to stroke his ego. He had a need for other people to notice how great he was. And when one day he desired to purchase a field outside the, 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 the palace's walls, and somebody told him no. And uh, this uh, neighbor, or what's the name of the field? I forget the name of the guy. But uh, he wouldn't sell him the field. And when he says no, Ahab throws a little hissy fit, has a little self-pity party. And the Bible says he goes into his room and he rolls around on his bed saying, oh, poor me, poor me. And here comes wicked Jezebel. Jezebel says, aren't you the king? You can do whatever you want. And she encourages Ahab to then begin uh, violating all the rules and the norms and to destroy that man who owned the vineyard. He, he abdicated his power and his throne to his, uh, his overpowering and domineering wife. It's an example of cowardice, when the man would not stand and do what's right. There's an account in the book of Judges of a man named Barak. Barak, who is called to lead the armies of Israel into battle, but uh, he says, I can't do it on my own, I, I need somebody else's help. And so there's a prophet, prophetess named Deborah. And without Deborah's help, he's unwilling to go in, and Deborah warns him, he says, listen, bro, you're the leader. You're supposed to go in there and, and go do some battle. He says, well, I'm afraid. I can't do it. She says, okay, cowardly lion. I guess I'll have to go with you then. But you're not going to gain any of the glory for the battle because, I, because you have forced me to come with you. 
And you know, our world is filled with women like Deborah who have to step up in times when men are cowards. I don't knock Deborah at all. I don't think she is, uh, she is evil in this account. I, don't th- I think she does the right thing given the circumstances. I think the real evil of that scripture is that Barak is a coward. And that the spirit of Barak runs rampant in our generation today. Is it okay if I preach tonight? Cowardice. Unwillingness to confront evil. To, to take his place. In the New Testament, we have the story of Peter. You know, I hate to include Peter in this list, but he definitely shows us a couple of examples of cowardice. It's the last moments of Jesus' life, and he's going before the council at the Sanhedrin, and he's following at a distance, and you remember the story that somebody notices him standing there by the fire. He says, aren't you one of the followers of the Lord? Don't you wish that Peter would say, yeah, what's it to you? You better follow him too. But in that moment, there was pressure. There was peer pressure that, became, that came down on Peter. People began putting uh, with accusation. And there's Jesus over there getting beaten, getting whipped and tormented. And, Wait, aren't you with him? Well, ho- hold on a second now. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I know. Um, no, actually, no, I don't know him at all. Never heard of the guy. And the one that he had just just previously he said, Lord, I'll, I'll, go to, I'll go to my death for you. For you, Jesus, I, I, I would die. And now, when the rubber meets the road, when the people point the finger, say, are, are you a follower? Oh, no. You, got, you must have mistaken me for somebody else. Three times. Three times in a row. You know, the world is going to point their finger at you, too, sometime. Say, aren't, aren't you one of those Jesus people? Are, are, Aren't you one of those Bible believers? Is it true? Isn't it true that in the Bible that God commanded for a whole uh, nation of people to be wiped out? What kind of God is that? You identify with Him? Isn't it true that God sends homosexual people to hell in the Bible? Uh, You believe that too? They're going to put pressure on you at work. They'll put pressure on you, your family, the world. Will you, uh, will you bow to the pressure like Peter did? I think about the rich young ruler as well as an example of cowardice. Say, well, well, what does that have to do with this, pastor? Good, I'm glad you asked. Jesus gave this man the opportunity of a lifetime to come and be a 13th disciple, perhaps. He said, sell all that you have, come and follow me. And this rich young ruler... Those very things that have given him a life of prosperity, power, influence, wealth. And the opportunity comes for him to give all of that up so he can follow Jesus into his destiny. And the Bible says he walked away sorrowfully. And you have to ask why. Tonight, I believe that that young man, that rich young ruler, he was more afraid of losing his wealth and his material goods then he was afraid of God. He was more afraid. He, he was a coward. He was unwilling to give up the things that he owned to gain that which he could own in eternity. It was too much for him. Can I tell you, sometimes God will ask you to give some things up. God will ask you to give up your comfort, 
to follow him. God will ask you to give up your money, your tithe, your offering to follow him. God will ask you to give up your time, your time to be in the will of God. Jesus had time for you, didn't he? But you don't have time for him? That's cowardice. It's an unwillingness to, it's a surrender to fear rather than the surrender to God. And so I see some some, uh, common sources that cause fear in our lives. Money is a big source of fear, isn't it? Or the lack thereof. When we see more uh, at the end of the month, then we, we, we run out of month before we run out of money. You know what I'm saying? Money, the lack of money can be a source of great uh, heartburn in our lives. But you know what? God has a bigger economy than we do. We, we look at rising gas prices. We look at rising grocery store prices. We look at the fluctuating stock market and our 401ks. And we look at you know, the un- turbulence of the world. And you know what? What is that causing us? A lot of fear. And right there you have, you have the... You have the temptation to shrink back and to stay away from what God wants for you to do. That's what a coward does. A person of faith and confidence says, God, your economy is bigger than my economy, and I'm going to trust you. You know what else causes great fear? is peer pressure. That was Peter's problem. He looked around at the people around him. He was more afraid of their opinion than he was of God's opinion. What about you? When the world turns against you, when the world tells you that serving Jesus is a waste of time and begin to mock and persecute you, you know, Jesus said, blessed are you when you're persecuted for my name's sake. Blessed. You you ought to say, yes! Thank you, Jesus! People are calling me a Bible thumper and a backwards theologist. Oh, thank you, Lord! I I am counted worthy of being persecuted in your name. Thank you, Lord. What we ought to do, but you know what most people do is they oh don't don't talk don't say that no 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 whatever you cave to the pressure. What else causes fear? Insecurity, worrying about the future. Some important people here tonight. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three. Premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four. Our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe. 
because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Worrying about what's going to come tomorrow. You know, Jesus, uh, Jesus confronted this head on, didn't he? He said, he said don't, don't worry about the things that are coming tomorrow. He said, what about the flowers in the field? I've dressed them better than any better than Solomon in all of his glory. Why are you worried about what you're going to wear? So why are you worried about what you're going to eat tomorrow? Look at the birds. You know, I wonder about all those geese. Have you seen how much geese crap on the floor? They are eating a lot of food. Where are they getting all this food? I cannot believe how much poo-poo is on the ground because of these stinking geese. And you're worried about what you're going to have tomorrow? God said, I feed every one of those stupid geese. Don't you think I care more about you? I care much more about you than I do about them. Relationships cause a lot of heartburn and worry. A generation of uh, people that have grown up in social media now. And so ironically, it's called social media, but it, causes, it has produced the most antisocial generation in thousands of years. And even though you might have a thousand friends on Facebook, a thousand followers on Instagram, and you have zero real true friends that care about you. Do you know, do you know how to measure your true friends? I'll, tell you, I'll give you a, a measuring stick. How many people that if you called them at three in the morning and said, I need help, that they would show up at your door? Count those, because those are your real friends. I'm your friend. I'll be there. And your thousand Facebook followers, they couldn't care a rip. Most of them. Relationships cause a lot of fear. People are afraid of uh, interactions. <laughs> I saw a meme that showed, uh, showed uh, a millennial or Gen Zer uh, getting ready for a phone call, getting ready to make a phone call. And it was, it was frames of pictures like Rocky Balboa training for a fight, getting ready to make a phone call. That's real. How many times, how many times do you call somebody and they don't pick up the phone? Uh, I'm getting down to like 15%, 10% these days of people who actually answer phone calls. And I get the draw, man, uh, having a conversation. You know, you got you to read people. You got you to present yourself well. You have to actually speak and use words. And there's skills involved. And man, man it's so much easier. Boop, 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 send. But listen, if we are not careful, we begin to tread in the arena of the coward, being afraid of people, afraid of relationship, afraid of conversation. Listen, the kingdom won't grow like that. The kingdom won't grow by text message. These are the things that stop the kingdom. This is why it's God's command that we should be strong and courageous. Fear is what stops revival. Fear is what stops repentance. Fear is what stops ministries and churches and preachers. If I had fear, I wouldn't have preached this sermon tonight. The truth is, I do have fear. But I've learned how to overcome by the blood of Jesus. You know, I wonder how many people, I wonder how many people, that there is an issue that has been nagging in your life for a long time. 
there is an issue. There is a sin or perhaps a habit or some, some issue that needs to be resolved. And the only thing that stops that issue from being resolved in your life is fear of what other people think. Fear of what if, what if I lift my hand and answer the altar call because I don't want other people to think that I'm backslidden. Right there, people get stuck in their ways. Fear of coming to the altar. Fear of confessing my sins to another brother or sister who cares about me. You know what's worse than the embarrassment of confession? Staying in your sin for another 20 years. How many people don't advance? Don't move forward? Don't make impact? Don't want to go on outreach? Always feeling guilt and shame inwardly? And the reason is this. Fear. I don't want people to think bad about me. Can I remind you tonight? Hey, we're all sinners. We all need Jesus. You know why the enemy loves cowards? Oh, the enemy loves cowards. I'll tell you why. Because he doesn't even have to fight a coward. All he does is he has to whisper a little lie in your ear. And if he'll make you so afraid that you panic, that you are paralyzed, then he doesn't even need to fight. He has won the battle before it even began because you gave up. And let me just remind you tonight that cowardice is a sin that is worthy of God's judgment. As I mentioned tonight, I am not saying that you should never be afraid. Everybody has fears. The question is, do you let the fear conquer you? Do you let the fear paralyze you? Do you let the fear control you? Are you more afraid of the things that cause you fear than you're afraid of God? The coward will allow his fear to control him and paralyze him. But those who would obey the commandment that God gave to Joshua, those overcome their fears by fearing one who's greater. You know, one day we're going to stand before God. One day you'll stand before God. And I wonder how many of us, that God will point His finger and say, why were you so afraid, ye of little faith? You know, there are a couple of uh, accounts in the Bible where there's a battle that's about to happen and, and God is preparing His people to go into a battle. And it's interesting, this is both in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 20 and also in Judges chapter 7. And the, the, the story goes like this. I'll, I'll read the one from Deuteronomy. It says, The officer shall speak further to the people and say, What man is there who is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go return to his house. Lest the heart of his brethren faint like his heart. God says, hey, before we even go to fight, if you've got fear, if you're faint-hearted, if you're a coward, you go home now. I don't even want you in the army. I don't even want you being out there. I'd rather have you home hiding in your bedroom. I'd rather, like Gideon, I'd rather have you know 300 men filled with the Spirit of God and courageous and strength. I'd rather have them than 20,000 plus who are fearful and cowards. Pastor Mitchell made it clear over and over again. He said, I'd rather have 10 men who are filled with the Holy Ghost and fear nothing but God than to have a 1,000 lukewarm believers. That's still true tonight. So the question is, how to be an overcomer? See, there is hope tonight for those who 
struggle with fearfulness and allowing fear to paralyze you. Just look no further than the story of the Apostle Peter. You know, there's a reason why we call him an apostle. Yes, he had fearful and cowardly moments in his life, but thank God he was able to overcome. You know, there's nobody else in the Bible that I've seen besides Jesus who walked on water. Peter did that. That takes some courage. And so tonight, the the hope is that, yes, there there may be areas that we are fearful, that uh, that we allow Uh, the fear of things in this life to paralyze us and to stop us. But the hope is this, that we can overcome. In our scripture, we get a few clues how to overcome, how to be an overcomer. You know, Jesus said we, uh, in Christ, we can be more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. And that's exactly what our scripture says as we read God's commandment to Joshua. Three times he says these words, be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Be strong and courageous. Can I tell you, to overcome your fears, you're going to need some strength. You're going to need strength. Strength comes in different flavors, comes in different shapes and sizes. You know, it takes strength to stand up to bullies. It takes strength to remain true to the Word of God. It takes strength. Are you, do you have strength? Strength is something that comes from God tonight. Where does that strength come from? Look at what it says next. Verse 6, be strong and courageous. You're going to lead these people to possess all the land. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions that Moses gave you. I thought that was very interesting. That in the mind of God, as He speaks to Joshua, that these two thoughts are connected. If you're going to be strong and courageous, it means you're going to have to be obedient. Follow the instructions. It's as simple as that. You know, I've said it before so many times, obedience is something that's very simple. Simple to follow instructions. But it's not always easy. Do we have any people that like to cook here tonight? Like to cook? Yeah, if you like to cook, then you need to be a good instruction follower, right? If you open a, a book of recipes and you begin to, to read that, and you know you got you got to stick to the recipe. If you begin trying to uh, you know throw in some new some new flavors, some new uh, you know some new techniques, you begin to try to oh no, I, nah, forget that. I, I know how to do it better. And guess what? It usually doesn't come out very well. Playing things on the fly. Well, you know what? We've got a recipe book too, y'all. Be careful to follow the words that I gave to Moses. And it's interesting that God didn't give the instructions directly to Joshua. God gave them to Moses. And then Moses gave them to Joshua. There is, uh, there is here the, the idea, the principle of following leaders that God has given to us. That Joshua, I gave instructions to Moses. He gave them to you. And don't deviate from those. You follow those instructions to the T. You see this with the Apostle Paul as he speaks to his disciple, Timothy. He says, Timothy, you follow me as I follow Christ. Don't deviate. Don't turn to the right. Don't turn to the left. And then you'll be successful. What about you tonight? How's your obedience? God asks you to do things. 
When God speaks to you through preachers, through pastors, through leaders, through the Word of God, does, does that have any weight in your life anymore? Or do you just shrug that off like water off the back of a duck or a goose? We become so hardened in our hearts. Pretty soon, if we're not careful, we can become like Pharaoh. Not only do we ignore God's command, but we become resistant. And no wonder we become cowards. Do you obey the word? God goes on to speak to Joshua and he says in verse 8, study this book of instruction continually. Can you say the word continually? What, does that mean that there's any breaks in between? Last time I heard uh, a definition of continually, it means ongoing. Study in this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night. What do you meditate on? You know, I read, uh, I read today that uh, there was an article about this, uh, this new show the, that came out on Netflix called Stranger Things. I don't know if you know about this. Probably you do. It said in, in the, uh, after that, the, this, this latest season had been released, they said that over 7 billion hours of streaming time just since that show has been released. Broke every record. Killed the, uh, killed the server when they released the, the new episodes over the weekend. People are meditating on stranger things. Allowing our attention to be focused on that. And at what cost? The Bible said to study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Let me ask you, are you being sure to obey everything written in it? He says, only then will you prosper and succeed. Pastor, I'm not prospering. Pastor, I'm having a hard time. Oh, really? Have you followed the instructions? All of them. So the command was, first of all, be careful to obey. Then second of all, study this book of instructions so that you can obey. In other words, do what it says and then understand the why. It's interesting that it comes in that order too. He says, first obey and then go back and study. Before you understand every word written in, in the instruction book, maybe, maybe you should just start obeying and then go and figure it out. Go study it. So many people today, the, uh, the skeptic class, say, well, you know, I just want, I want to understand this. I want to I understand for myself before I do anything. God said to Joshua, you do it first, and then you understand it. That's what obedience looks like. It's okay. We're going to be done here in a minute. We'll finish this through. The promise to the overcomer, the way that we can truly overcome our fears tonight is in verse 9. This is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is the sweetest promise that God could have given to Joshua. He said, the same way that I was with my servant Moses, I will be with you, Joshua, wherever you go. When you follow my instructions, when you obey my words... When you do not deviate, when you study 
continually and meditate day and night, know this, Joshua, I'll be with you forever. Jesus said to his disciples, I am with you wherever you go. That his spirit resides in us when we are walking by the spirit and not by the flesh. The confidence is tonight not a confidence of our flesh. It's not a confidence of our ego or of our will. The confidence that you can have to overcome your fear is a confidence that God is with me. Some people think that that's prideful or egotistical to say, uh, you know, God, I want you to be with me. Some people suppose, hey, why don't you say, God, I want to be with you? And the answer to that question is because that's exactly the way the Bible phrases it. God promises not that you will be with me, but God promises that I will be with you wherever you go, that I'll be on your side, that I will help you. I will lead you. I will guide you. doesn't mean that you'll never face fear. Hey, even Jesus had some fears. Jesus prayed in the garden so fervently that He began to sweat great drops of blood. No doubt there was fear coursing through His veins on that garden night. But we know that Jesus was no coward. Why? Not that He never felt fear, but He did not allow the fear to stop Him, to paralyze Him to keep him from doing the will of God. What's God's will for your life? For your family? For your children? What's God's will for your future? For your ministry? For your destiny? You know, this is one of the things that holds the people of God back. is fear. And if we allow that fear to paralyze us, it's possible that we commit a sin that goes unnoticed so often. It's the sin cowardice. I challenge you, I encourage you to hear the command of God tonight. Be strong and courageous. Three times in four verses, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Let's bow our heads tonight and close our eyes as we bring this service to a close. As God challenges our hearts, so many of God's people are stuck like a truck with wheels in the mud, spinning, trying to get out, but only digging themselves deeper. So many people of God, God has a plan, God has a future, God has a hope for you. But it's the fear that stops you. It's the fear of what other people think. It's the fear of what about my future, what about my security, what about my family. And oftentimes it's right here that we miss God. Pastor Mitchell used to say, you'll never know the will of God until you surrender to it. And that requires courage tonight. Courage and strength. And I wonder tonight if you have come into this place and the truth is that you're not right with God, that you're not living for God. You might have a religious flavor to your life. You might have... Some good habits developed over time, but my question tonight is about the, the, the state of your heart. It's not about how many times you go to church, it's about do you truly trust Him for your life, to forgive your sins, to set you free, to live for Him? Or have you allowed your fears of the world, fears of peer pressure, fears of money issues, they paralyzed you. And sometimes those are the things that keep us back from serving God, like the rich young ruler. 
It was too much for him to serve God. Too much, too, too high of a price to pay. I wonder tonight, if you're here, you're not saved, you're not right with God, something holding you back from His will. And you've reached this moment of the service so many times and because you're afraid of what other people think, you sit there and do nothing. Say nothing. It would cost too much for me, too much embarrassment for me to get my heart right with God. Let it not be tonight, if that's you. God's speaking to your heart, convicting you of sin, and you're you're ready, Lord, to trust. I'm going to trust God with my life. And I care more about His idea of me, His opinion, than anybody else. I don't want to hide. I don't want to play games. Lord, I want you to forgive me. Set me free. Give me strength and courage tonight. If that's you, I want to pray for salvation and for restoration by the blood of Jesus. If that's you, would you lift up your hand? Be courageous tonight. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Jesus. I need Him to forgive me. There's a nagging issue of sin in my life. I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to be afraid any longer. Would you lift up your hand? Is there someone here? Quickly, God's speaking to you. God's drawing you to salvation by the precious blood. I want to speak to His church then. People of God, how many times does the sin of cowardice hold us back from, from experiencing His will for our lives? We're afraid of what the good will of God will do, how it's going to change us, how it will affect us, how it's going to play out. And God doesn't give us all those answers up front, does He? He doesn't show it. He doesn't pull out the roadmap and say, here, this is what it's going to look like in 10 years, in 15 years. He doesn't do that. He simply says, follow me. Trust me. Obey me. Follow the instructions. And I'll take care of the rest. And sometimes the fear of the unknown paralyzes us. Tonight I want to pray for strength and courage in God's people tonight. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.